everyone. My name is Brittany Coney, and I am your host for the Queen of All Saints podcast. Today, I am with Father Detweiler, and you probably see him every Sunday, maybe occasional whatever game is on at the field, or you might just see him in random places. But without further ado, I will let Father Detweiler introduce himself to you. Hello, everyone. My name is Father Joe Detweiler. I was ordained to the priesthood on May the 29th, so I'm still a very new priest. Uh, I was in the seminary for a total of nine years. Some would call that the scenic route to priesthood. Uh, but it's, it's funny, I, I, I found out my assignment here at Queen of All Saints right after ordinations. We walk outside and we're handed an envelope which tells us where we're going. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, but actually, this is ironic that I'm here because... Queen was the parish where I grew up at, so I went. To, I graduated from the grade school here in two thousand seven, um, and I've been here my whole life. So it's just it's just funny, and it's providential that I'm here now as a priest. So pretty excited. Okay, well, I'm so excited for you to be on this podcast. So you kind of already answered the first question of when you joined Queen, but. You know, you've been to Queen your whole entire life, like grade school, and I'm sure you came back in high school. So why did you continue to come back to Queen every Sunday? Well, I think just in a very not complicated way, like Queen's home. And that's just like, it's just always very easy to come back home. Uh, but also home is a place where I, it's where I grew up. I went to grade school here. Uh, my family's always taken me here to Mass on the weekends. Um, so just Queen is home, so that's kind of what sustained me throughout much of my life. And Queen's also been very supportive of me uh, in the last nine years of seminary. So. so what made you want to join the seminary? There's the question. Uh, so I was, uh, so when I was in high school, I was, in, I was involved in youth ministry, but I really, I randomly ended up on this retreat at the seminary. And just because a priest randomly handed me a sign-up sheet. And I, at the time, I really didn't have any desire to be a priest. Um, but for some reason, I went on this retreat. And on this retreat, I had a very deep encounter with the Lord in prayer. Uh, on that Saturday night, Saturday night of the retreat after night prayer. Uh, and then from that moment on, uh, it wasn't... God didn't tell me everything all at once. But he sparked my curiosity. So from that weekend in the spring of my sophomore year periodically I would come came back on a regular basis to keep going back to the seminary for events, prayer groups. Um, and I began to ask myself the question, like, is this really what you're grasping me, God? And then also developing those friendships with seminarians. So then once those friendships began, became stronger, I began to, began to relate to them to see like, oh, like I could actually see myself as one of these men discerning the priesthood. And so I guess that made priesthood a lot less scary <laughs> to me. Uh, but then, so the summer before my senior year, I was preparing to go to the seminary after high school. But then I took, an, I took out an application in June. But then in July, that same summer, July 4th, my younger sister Cecilia and I were in a very, very bad car accident. Uh, we lost control of our car. We hit a tree at about 40 miles an hour, which was really, really bad. I was basically crushed from the waist up and she was crushed from the waist down. Um, at the scene, everyone thought we were dead. Um, fortunately, a nice man stopped off the road and called the ambulance and waited with us. It's like the Good Samaritan, like that's a real, that actually happened to me. Uh, so we were helicoptered into St. Louis and I was put in a, I was in a coma for about 70 days, uh, major surgery. Uh, my sister also had major surgery to put her legs back together. 
Um, but I was in a, we were both in the hospital. I was in the hospital for a total of 117 days, which is long. <laughs> um, and there are many, I was headed to the seminary at the time. And then when the accident happened, it seemed like there was a lot of legitimate obstacles that would prevent me from ever pursuing that. Um, given the, the state of the major injury to my brain, but also the fact that I had major blood loss and also I had three strokes on the way to the hospital. So all of these things compacting on each other made priesthood seem unrealistic. Uh, but somehow God worked in great ways. It's uh, So especially on, there's one point especially I want to talk about. Uh, so on day 74, I had a tube in my throat for my breathing. And so that was the day that doctors took that tube out. And so prior to the surgery, my parents were told that I was likely never really going to speak again. And if I was going to, the absolute best case scenario was maybe sounds in like six months. But like complicated conversations likely never going to come back. Um, and so then after the surgery happened, a priest was in my room praying Liturgy of the Hours, which is a prayer that I pray every day now. Uh, but he was praying that and part of that is you say the glory be a lot. So from his chair, he said, Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And then from my bed, I whispered, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. So it's like, complete words, complete sentences, complete thoughts, and it's a prayer. Um, and if this would have happened, like, you know, a month later, like, that would have been totally unreal. That would have been awesome. Uh, and how what actually happened, this all took place uh, six hours after the surgery happened, which is not explainable by medical science. <laughs> at all. Um, and I know I had so many people praying for me when I was in the ICU. Uh, but then from that moment on, therapy began to progress very rapidly. Um, you know, learning how to walk, tie my shoes again, worked on swallowing, worked on, I was back in kindergarten again, it was the worst. <laughs> but uh, I, somehow I began to uh, recover and uh, I was discharged from the hospital on October 28th, which is the feast day of St. Jude, who's the patron saint of lost causes. Another mysterious part of the whole story. <laughs> Um, but then from that moment on, I, I continued going to therapy, uh, and then I was able to graduate high school on time, uh, with my class, but then after high school, I did a year at Merrimack Community College, uh, and then after the year at Merrimack, I entered college seminary, where I did four years of college seminary, and then two years of major seminary, and then one year of living at a parish, like Jake did here last year, and then I just finished my last two years. Um, so it's been slowing back pretty quickly. Um, and the, the crazy thing is like, I've had, I've lived a life of intense prayer these last nine years. And you would think that this experience of trauma and suffering, like, all right, I never want to think about it ever again. But like, this is something that I go back to on a regular basis. Um, and I've seen, even though none of us like the cross, but like the cross and salvation are always together. Um, and so I've seen that, like, even though there's a lot of suffering in my journey like that was the most intense experience of God's love I've ever had and it's 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 funny how things come around like I that picture up there the charcoal picture of Jesus right there that picture was hanging in that's hanging in my office uh but that picture hung in my room in the hospital for four months and that was actually the image on my holy card ordination and when my friend drew that for me my friend Caroline drew that for me I'd just been checked into the ICU so in her mind I'm not going to make it probably. Um, and so I just think about what's on her mind. Like the thought that that would be on my holy card ordination is probably like not a realistic expectation. And then you know, my first mass after ordination, my first mass 
The first reading was read by my friend Rita, who was my nurse in the ICU. Um, and the second reading was my friend Michael, who was my neurologist. And the petitions was my therapist, Tony, who taught me how to walk again. So all of these uh, details of my time of suffering um, just end up blessing my life abundantly. So You've obvi obviously like went through that experience. So how did Queen keep you grounded during all of your... I guess like shortcomings. It's like you had so many like obstacles like that you had to face while you were still a high schooler. So how did Queen help you grounded during that experience? Uh, it was tough because we live in Oakville and I was at in a coma at Children's and my sister was at Rankin Jordan off Dorset's. Like we're all very distant. Uh, but one of the best ways that Queen could have helped us, which they did, was because uh, we're flying all over the place, making us meals. Uh, that was a huge help. Um, actually it got to a point where my parents, my family was just like, all right, like that's a little bit too much. Like we need to slow down. Uh, but then also the way that people hear, I still hear it from people when, like now that I'm a priest here, you know, people say like, I prayed for you so much. Um, and I know there's, there's many parts of my journey, uh, that especially medically that do not make sense. The fact that I'm able to walk, talk, have a college degree, be a priest, the fact that I'm able to like utter a complete sentence was like totally unforeseen. Um, and I definitely account that all to the prayers of faithful people, especially here at Queen. Okay, so how has Queen helped you make, how did Queen help you make the decision into going in the seminary? So you took a year at the community college, yeah. but how is how did Queen like kind of help you decide, okay, yes, I do want to go in the seminary. Yes, I do want to become a priest. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I know, especially that year of, uh, that year when I was at Merrimack, I went to daily mass here every day with my grandma and, uh, yeah, she took me to McDonald's every day. It was pretty <laughs> rough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just being able to be with the people here at the parish and seeing, I mean, being that close to seminary and seeing that, like seeing what a priest does every day, offering mass. Um, and uh, I know Monsignor Simon, Monsignor Breyer, Father Masika, Father Fallon, oh, Father Fallon, whatever. But <laughs> they've all been very supportive of me throughout my whole journey. Uh, so, because when you enter the seminary, you don't necessarily, it's not like, all right, I'm going to be a priest. Like, it's not like, I wasn't totally sure. I was pretty sure, but not totally sure. Um, and so the support of people in the process is also very important too. So Queen has been, oh, has been so generous to me. The Knights of Columbus... Um, coming back, coming back to visit, uh, the last nine years has kind of been like, you know, this is my home parish, but I've been gone for nine years. So I don't, I don't really know a whole lot of people, but I know there's, there's a lot of people here who I've, who I've known, my family's known for a long time, who have supported me throughout my whole journey in seminary. And so people here have been very generous and, um, giving me whatever I need in the process. So how was your seminarian experience? It was, it was wonderful, hard, uh, challenging, all the above. Because um, in seminary, uh, we're formed with uh, like every part of who I am. So it's easy to think that it's just eight years of school, nine years of school. <laughs> but uh, school is like only part of what we do there. Uh, John Paul II talks about we're formed on four different levels. There's the uh, pastoral, intellectual, spiritual, and the human. Um, and so... Pastoral, like, how do I interact with people? Um, how do I lead people? Intellectual, do I know the faith? Because if I, I can't give people something I don't have, 
Uh, spiritual, do I, do I have a relationship with God? Do I pray? Those are very essential questions. And then also human, uh, human formation, you know, how, how am I able to relate to people on a human level? And John Paul II talks about how human formation, if you have all the rest of the three, but if you don't have human formation, you got nothing. So um, we're formed in like every part of who I am. And so I'm very grateful that because of the, uh, because of my experience and it's, it's ironic because uh, my experience of therapy and uh, talking to a psychologist and stuff like that, uh, being able to accept help along the way was essential because I, I did very well, but there was some areas where I needed some help. And also um, transparency was super essential because if I'm not dealing with how things actually are, then I'm not actually growing. Uh, so transparency is very important. Um, and also... Uh, the because discernment's a two-way street. So like I'm discerning priesthood, but also the, the, the church is discerning me. And like we're both kind of making this decision together. Uh, and the church is very, very patient, fortunately, because I can just think back a lot to things that I used to struggle with when I first had your seminary and things that I would freak out about. Um, and just, and like, I mean, I still freak out about things, but um, just seeing how, so many priests and uh, religious at the seminary were so patient and walking with me in this journey and not expect me to have it all figured out today. So, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really great experience. I'm really, I mean, I'm really grateful for it. I think, and of course I'm partial, but, uh, I like, even if I would not be a priest right now, like, or I am because God called me here, but, um, I think even if I would not have chosen to be a priest, like the seminary would have made me, made me a much better man. So it makes me much better for any vocation that I, that I, uh, that God calls me to. And so I'm very grateful for the time that I spent there. So I know like the seminary has taught you a lot and you also like have gone to Queen throughout grade school. So what Queen teachings were you able to use in the seminary to help strengthen your relationship with God? I think, uh, like I was saying earlier, like Queen is home. And so, like, home, no matter where I am, no matter what I go through, like, home's always there. And so having uh, a good, I don't know, home base to go back to in prayer is always very important. And I think um, growing up here at Queen has kind of fostered that habit in my own prayer. Yes. Sorry. I'm, like, always looking <laughs> ahead of the questions. Right. So why do you continue to follow the Catholic faith? Well... That is a good question. Uh, I guess intellectually, uh, logically, you know, Jesus, when he came to earth, the church was not an accident. Like he intended to start, he, Jesus is very clear about it. he's starting a new people, a new Israel. And so Jesus intended to found a church. And so if he intended to found a church, when he ascended into heaven, did he say, all right, here's the Bible, you guys figure it out. No, like he left us, he ascended to heaven, he left us with his 12 apostles. And that's what our church is founded on. That's We can trace our lineage back to the apostles. And so, um, even though it's been a very messy, messy history, uh, after two, it's, that's even more of a miracle. Like after 2,000 years of a lot of, a lot of sinners in the church, uh, we're still here. Um, and so, I, I don't know, I just take confidence in the fact that like Jesus intended to found a church and he left his church to the apostles, and that's what our church is founded on today. So, yeah, I like 
for the Catholic Church, it also gives me like a sense of comfort. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know many other religions because I've yeah. always followed the Catholic Church. But like seeing, I was talking to Adam Plyman the other yeah. day. So um, shout out to Adam. <laughs> he will be on the next season. But um, he's like. South County is like the hub of Catholicism, you know, and I didn't really realize it until I went down south and there was like one Catholic church and there's all like Baptist church and Methodist and I'm not like trying to, trying to put their religions down, but I'm like, I, I just find so much comfort in the Catholic church because I don't know, I, there's a lot of order, you know, you always have the Eucharist every Sunday, you always receive the Eucharist, you receive Jesus every week or like every day if you go to daily mass. And for for me, like, I don't know, I just see like a lot of comfort in the Catholic Church. Yeah. So I am not very familiar with the process of having an assigned parish after you, I guess, get discerned yeah. as a priest. So can you um, break down the process of getting assigned to a parish? Well, there was a there was a conversation with me and uh, in, he talked to me and all my classmates. There's a Father Ken Brown. He's a priest in St. Louis. He is the what's called the vicar for clergy. So he is what's in charge of. He recommends priest assignments to the bishop, and the bishop's obviously the one who signs off and everything. But he's the one who recommends changes. So I had a meeting with him, and he just talked to me about you know me, my history, what I like, what I what I find myself, what I where my gifts are, because obviously like. We take a promise of obedience, but they want to add happy priests. <laughs> so um, obviously I don't have the total say on everything. I just kind of said, you know, some things I like to do, some things I feel like I'm good at. Um, and also just noting some, I don't have many health issues, <laughs> amazingly after everything. Um, just kind of talking about some of those limitations, but those really weren't a big deal. But um, but yeah, that's the, that's the part that we take promises of uh, simplicity, uh, celibacy and obedience and people always get caught up on celibacy now, that's the hardest part but obedience is really one of the most cha- like it's it's beautiful because Jesus we know Jesus surrendered his will not just like he, he surrendered everything so we get a chance to imitate him very closely in that surrendering of our will to our bishop uh, so I, I, I gave him you know a few hints on who I am and then he made the decision so it was funny when I we didn't actually find out until Right after we walk out of the cathedral after ordination, we're given an envelope, which tells us where we're going. And I opened up my envelope because, like, usually, like, guys getting assigned at their home parish is very rare, uh, period. Um, and certainly not that their home parish on their first assignment. And so I remember people asking me the weeks prior to ordination, like, where do you think you're going to go? Where do you think you're going to go? And I was like, well, I don't know, but I'm... I'm pretty certain that I'm not going to go to Queen. <laughs> and so it's wonderful here. at Father Hamburg's great. It's a great parish. Uh, but it was just funny. I opened up my letter and uh, so one, someone else saw my face. I was like, this is, this is not my letter. And then I looked closer and I was like, oh, it's my letter. Uh, so I was very surprised. Uh, it's been wonderful these first couple of weeks. People here are very generous. And I think a lot of people realize that as a new priest, it's kind of like drinking through a fire hose. Uh, a lot of things to learn, uh, but your father Hambro is great. He's a great uh, leader, and uh, it's great that he's he's super low key too. That's because I don't stress out too much about things. Um, but yeah, no, that process is I I there's a brief conversation, especially with new guys. Um, I had a brief conversation, and then he kind of picks where I go. 
So what do you look forward to while you are at Queen? Like what you've only been here for a couple weeks, but when this podcast episode comes out, oh, it'll yeah. be like you'll be here for like a month, oh, month yeah, and a yeah, half. But what do you look forward to the most while you're at Queen right now? Uh, one thing, especially Queen, I look forward to being in the school. I know I, I did a past, like I said earlier, that pastoral year at a parish, Our Lady of Lords in Washington a couple years ago, and like, I was in the school every day. I mean, I, won't, I, won't, I don't know if that'll be possible here, because I'll be at St. Mary's as well, um, but I'm looking forward to being in contact with the school, um, and I don't know, like, I'm, I'm very extroverted, and so like, <laughs> lockdown was tough for me, like, uh, so like, just meeting people and building those relationships, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but then also, something that I've looked forward to for nine years is just being able to, like, do what a priest does. Like, confessions, like, that's crazy. The fact that I can, the words that I'm saying, like, oh, like, these actually mean something now. Like, and celebrating Mass, and oh, man, it's just, it's wonderful, uh, mysterious, but looking forward to celebrating the sacraments, yeah. So what is one piece of advice you have for Queen parishioners, you've you've been here, you've gone through most. I mean, basically your whole life at Queen. Yeah. So, even if you have multiple pieces of advice, like what would you advise your Queen parishioners? Well, I think one thing, especially, is like a lot of us have a lot of messiness in our lives, and we don't like to talk about that. It's not really the most comfortable thing to talk about, um, and sometimes those messes, those can keep us from that relationship with God because we don't want to let him in too close because he might not love us anymore or he might mess things up too much within our own plan or lifestyle. Um, but one thing that I find a lot of, there's two things. One thing, first off, is that like, God is not afraid of our mess. Like he entered into our mess. Like I think about the nativity, like that's a very messy situation. Like you're Locked out of the end, it's like totally unideal, like hair trying to kill you, and like all these things, and like somehow God comes into that. That's really messy. So like God is not afraid of our mess, first off. And then second off, um, sometimes in our life, um, we can feel like the problems that we're dealing with, the suffering that we're dealing with, just seems to take forever. <laughs> and it seems slow and arduous, and it doesn't seem like there's a good end in sight. Um, but I take a lot of confidence in the fact that that suffering, like Jesus knows that too. I think about like on the picture on my wall, like Jesus carrying the cross. Because um, carrying the cross is heavy. There's people spitting at you, yelling at you. And then at the end of the journey, it's still death. <laughs> and so like, I think what I get a lot of peace from is that like, Jesus entered into that suffering just so that when I come to him with my long suffering that never seems to end, he can look at me and say, yeah, I know. Um, and so Jesus, he, he knows our suffering. And um, it, although it doesn't always go away, like he's there with us. And so um, the absolute best place to take that suffering, to take those burdens, like Jesus says, bring me your burdens. Like that's what he's talking about. The perfect place to bring that is to a direct encounter with him in the sacraments, like the Eucharist and confession. Oh my gosh. Confessions. I used to be so scared of confession, but I love confession now. But, uh, but yeah, no, but like, like this, if you're going through that right now, which is me sometimes, like the perfect place for you to be is at mass here with us praying. Talk after, but 
Well, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed Father Detweiler talk about Queen of All Saints. I hope that you all feel very special. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you so much for being on this episode, and I will talk to you all very soon. Bye! Bye.